to the Women of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges and walk the talk for change across the entire financial technology industry. Today we are joined by Nicola and Callie and they are the co-founders of Working Wonder. Working Wonder is a cultural transformation consultancy with so much recent change in the workplace culture and attitudes towards flexible working since the pandemic, they focus on empowering companies and their employees to create progressive, inclusive and positive working environments and practices via consultancy, training and coaching services. They have always been change makers and activists for greater diversity and representation in the fintech industry and actually in every other industry and constantly try to promote the benefits of progressive, flexible working practices and work happiness. They are here today to share some of the work they do why they do it, and of course, their successes. So welcome. It is great to have you both with me today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And you are here with us in the studio, which is fantastic. <laughs> so, Callie, I'm going to go to you first. Tell us about the mission that you are on with Working Wonder. Thank you. Yeah, I definitely will. And it's so nice to be here in person. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, we are on a really simple mission, and it's about creating work happiness for everyone. And I guess, and thank you for that very kind intro, it's about creating positive and inclusive working environments because it sounds really simple, but when people are really happy at work, that is when they truly thrive. And obviously that's really good on a personal level because we want to be going to work every day feeling happy. But also, it actually has a massive impact on business success. And there are so many research studies out there which prove that if people are happy at work, then they are three times more creative, three times more innovative, three times more productive. And of course, it's a no-brainer. That has a massive impact on the bottom line and can increase profitability by about 20%. Obviously, it's amazing on a personal level, but it's brilliant on a professional level. And when you think about it from a kind of a wider business point of view as well, it helps with retention because if your teams are happy, but also you have a huge group of ambassadors and cheerleaders for your business as well, who are going out to say, oh, I love working here, which obviously then helps you with attracting great talent as well. So yeah, work happiness for us is really the key to business success. And I think given lockdown and what's recently happened is it feels like now is the right moment to really jump on that. I think well-being has pushed up everyone's radar a lot or certainly just made them go, I'm going to reassess what's happening. And whilst lockdown was very difficult for a lot of people, I think also it's been a really big gift in going, actually, we do have an opportunity to shape working, reshape working culture and think about creating processes and practices that are inclusive, whereas maybe they weren't before. Mm. I think this is such a powerful mission that you're on and you're absolutely right like post-pandemic now this is just on everybody's minds everyone is talking about the future of work how they can invest in their talent you've got so many businesses out there they want to do this but they don't know how um, oh, absolutely so it's fantastic that you are here with working wonder I know you both have had fantastic careers before starting this, so it'd be great, Callie, if you could tell us a bit more about yours first. Yes, so my background is in creative industry, predominantly in advertising and marketing, and I've always worked in really fast-growing creative businesses, in client services, which is very people-focused, but very much focused on creating positive working culture that you can then build brands within that and then go out to consumers as well. So it's sort of the internal and external point of view. 
and I guess my career is slightly unusual probably compared to careers maybe more these days where people move around a lot more but I've actually the two sort of main companies that I work for DLKW and Karmarama I was there seven years and 12 years which is actually quite a long tenure isn't it if you think about it and I sort of reflect back on it and think but the key thing was I never sat still in any of those because Karmarama for example was 30 people when I joined and over 300 when I left and we were required by Accenture Interactive at that stage and I've had so many different jobs within that organisation and worked on so many different brands with so many different people. I feel like I've worked in lots of places at the same time. And I think what has made me realise from all of those companies that I've worked in is I love working with businesses who have their own autonomy, that you can make decisions, you can change things up, you can assess how you're doing things and take different paths rather than being restricted by a structure. Mm. So that's been my career to date. Mm. Really, really interesting, and I love how you've shared that you had so many different roles in each of these mm. companies because that is something that people just just can't overlook at the moment, the, the variety, the choice, the progression, the promotion. Nicola, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, and uh, hello. Hi. <laughs> I've uh, Yeah, it's interesting. Callie and I are actually twin sisters, which I know you know, but I'm, I'm telling it to make a point. So obviously we've had the same amount of years working professionally, but we've actually had completely different career paths, but in similar-ish industries. So like Callie, I started agency side, but my background was in communications. So I started in PR agencies and I worked in a number of range really from small ones, boutique ones to global ones to, to bigger ones. And there I worked across a number of different clients in a number of different industries, really got grounding and training in every element of PR, consumer play at PR, corporate, financial, B2B, crisis, all of the different PR disciplines. And then about halfway through my career, I moved in-house and I started to work in different corporates. So there, what was interesting is that you can really get under the skin of a business. And I haven't just stayed in one um, industry either. Started in tech when I was at eBay, worked in the travel industry when I was at lastminute.com, then went into financial services, I actually joined Barclays completely coincidentally the week of LIBOR. I headed up the wow. um, comms for the retail bank at a time where consumer trust in financial services and banks, especially Barclays at that time, was an all-time low. So I've sort of been at the coalface financial services. I've worked at LinkedIn and I've had sort of a mixture of global and UK-based roles. But what's interesting doing communications within an organisation is I've worked across marketing, internal comms and the other disciplines, as well as working quite closely with leadership teams, especially where it comes to brand and reputational management. Working across multiple industries and brands, it's been really interesting because even, you know, looking at how the financial services industry has evolved into fintech and, you know, did a stint at open banking as well, is I can see similarities and differences and I'm working across different corporates. I can share learnings of what industries have done, certainly when it comes to diversity and inclusion as well. It's been very interesting to see and reputation management, how companies have tried to build that inclusive workplace culture or in some cases they haven't. So it's been really interesting throughout my career that I've been able to sort of see it from many different perspectives as well. And I think it's those different perspectives that really take us to where you are today. And I yeah. wanted you just to share a bit of that. Like, I know it wasn't one light bulb moment, but, but it'd be great just to hear where it, where it came from, the light bulb moment of starting it. 
I guess it's really interesting you ask about what was the light bulb moment for us because there wasn't one big flash. I guess the best way to describe it, if it's not getting too cheesy, is, is probably if you look back on our careers, a series of almost flashes of things that were happening that when you reflect back and piece it back together, you can sort of see why we've landed where we are now. And, and the reason being, I guess, is every organisation Kelly and I have ever worked in, whether it be a consultancy, an agency, in-house, etc., in a big um, corporate, is we always like to see ourselves as change makers. Like, we like to challenge the status quo. So I guess the probably earliest examples of that were definitely related to gender diversity. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as two senior you know, women we have first-hand experience of discrimination based on, on our gender. And I guess as you get more senior in an organisation, the frustration that, that builds with that. And I, I re recognised that we weren't going to settle for that. And, and then evolving as we both became working parents, we definitely we wanted to champion for people who work for us or people we were working with, make sure that everyone had those equal opportunities to succeed in their career. So... I guess it started with gender equality. Over the years, we've definitely been more and more focused on equal access for everyone. And I think if you look at the paths of a lot of you know, gender diversity activists, it naturally evolves into equality for everyone, whether it's ethnicity, age, etc. So, you know, also we felt frustrated the change wasn't happening quick enough. So we've always tried within the organisations we've been in to, to lead programmes for change, to be inclusive leaders, to push companies to introduce better policies around parental leave, etc., or to be active at publishing their gender pay gap, encouraging them to publish their ethnic pay gap and haven't quite managed to get enough people to do that yet. But I guess we found the frustration it wasn't happening quick enough. So that's why we were like, you know what, that's that's set up on our own. And we both retrained as career coaches because naturally we had always mentored people and really enjoyed developing people in their careers. That was sort of a natural sort of passion of ours. And it evolved from there, really. We didn't have a set out business plan. Lockdown happened literally, what, six months? Well, yeah, not we even started six... it in the August, didn't we? And then lockdown happened in the April. Yeah. And so, you know, overnight, we had started more from a coaching side of things. But then, you know, what was so... Obviously, the pandemic was awful for so many reasons. But actually, if you look at it purely from a workplace cultural point of view, way more transformation and change has happened in the past three years than has happened in 20, mm. 25 years of, of, of working. Everything from attitudes towards flexible working, creating more inclusive workplace environments, hybrid working environments as well. I think that, you know, the pandemic has really accelerated that change and we want to ride on the wave of that. We're not just going to stop. We believe quite strongly that people need to keep going forwards. We talk about it a lot. Don't go back to how it used to be, but we call it a lot. Our philosophy is all around going forwards to work. So I guess, yeah, that's that's how we came up and how we are, where we are now. But we see it as ever evolving with workplace culture. Off the back of what your question about the light bulb moment, I guess for, for anyone wanting to start a business or wanting to make a change about where they work, etc., Sometimes there isn't a light bulb moment and there's just a slight inkling of you want to do something different or you want to start something. And I would just say, just ride with that and see where it goes because those flashes suddenly turn into a much bigger moment and give you a bit more direction. So I just wanted to add that. Absolutely. And, you know, those flashes have turned into 
some huge moments for the both of you. I wanted you to share some of your successes with us so far. As Nick was saying, I think one of our successes is we're just so happy that we got to set up our business. It's something we've always, always wanted to do. And a bit like we were just saying about that light bulb moment, we didn't know exactly what it was going to be. And we're really happy with where it is now and thinking about how it might evolve in the future as well. So that's one success. Our going forwards to work philosophy is a really big part of that. And what we mean by that, because it's not common every day going forwards to something work is for us it came out of a frustration during lockdown so lockdown in our opinion was an opportunity to shake things up but there were lots of conversations in the height of lockdown and obviously there were lots of challenges that came with lockdown but there was a lot of conversations with businesses and leaders about it'll be fine when we go back to work we'll get it sorted when we go back to the office and we just felt like it was the wrong conversation to be having because people aren't going back they are going forwards. It's a bit like, and we always use the analogy of going back to school. This is something that we've all grown up with. Every September comes around and everyone goes all going back to school. But if you think about going back to school, you never go back to the same version you left behind. You go back to different subjects, a different teacher, and maybe a different school. So we want people to start having that conversation about how can you go forwards to work? What can you do differently? And that's not to say everything that was done before is bad. It's to say what worked and what didn't. Let's have an honest and open conversation about it. And let's use the opportunity we've been given to go, what can we do differently? And how can we evolve and make it better? So our going forwards to work philosophy, I feel like is a, a really big success and something we're really proud of. And it's something that we use and talk about and, and, and you know, involve in all of the workshops and training that we do with people and our coaching philosophy as well. The second one was something that we did during lockdown. So obviously we started our business in the August, wasn't it? And then in the April, the lockdown hit. So we had one client, which is a big music company who we're not allowed to name. And, you know, we transitioned overnight, but then lots of companies cut their budgets because obviously everyone was worried about what was going to happen. So we thought rather than just going, oh, this is a nightmare, we decided, you know what, we were going to be useful. So we knew that we had skills that we could share with other people to make things better. And really the very heart of Working Wonder is about empowering other people to be the best version of themselves. So we created a series of pay what you can workshops, which were for people who'd been furloughed or people who'd lost their job or were just lacking confidence because of that remoteness of how they were working. And we did workshops for about 500 people, wasn't it, in the end? Yep. All virtual. They were pay what you can. So we wanted to make sure they were really inclusive and really accessible. I think we had some, some that were free, some were £5 up to £20 per person. So, you know, really low price points to do what we could to make it better for people during the pandemic. And that's something I'm really proud of as well. And I think that's super, super powerful because there were so many struggles and so many people faced humongous challenges throughout the pandemic and it was brilliant that you were able to offer support and help people build back and build forward. I can imagine that you found many a challenging time throughout building this business. I wanted you to share some of those challenges with us if you may. Yeah we, we think about this uh, all the time and a lot of our clients ask us this as well and I guess one of the biggest challenges, I, I actually call it something quirky, I call it where are the Ian rights? And what I mean by that is 
during the amazing Women's Euro tournament that happened earlier this year and the amazing, inspiring success of the women's England football team is, you know, alongside all of their success, all these women who for years have been really, you know, championing and trying to, to play football. For me, it was way beyond football because it was all about essentially equal access to opportunities. And as well as sort of obviously all the brilliant women and men who've been championing it, the sport throughout the years, what was really poignant for me is seeing a very classic football pundit like Ian Wright use his platform to talk and stand up against gender inequality in football. And there's a really passionate, emotional speech, as is typical of Ian Wright, about how this is just the beginning and how it's not acceptable that women aren't paid the same for football successes and that actually more investment needs to be made into grassroots football, etc. as well. And I guess if you you know, if you excuse the football analogy, but then apply it to the fintech industry and actually every other industry is for too long, it has just been the minority group championing for inclusivity in workplaces and better equality because they are the ones directly impacted. And I actually think the biggest challenge is, is encouraging all of those who for a long time have been in the privileged majority to actually take it on board and see that inclusion, if there is greater inclusion in their organisation, diversity makes complete business sense as well. And, and actually, it's not a threat to them. It's actually good for their careers as well, because a lot of people who have become senior because of their privilege sometimes are threatened by diversity and greater inclusion. They think they may not be able to get any other jobs. We actually challenge senior leaders and say, no, if you actually are an active champion for diversity and inclusion, you of course keep your job and you will actually encourage other people. You'll become a better leader as a result of it. So I think that a big challenge is getting them on board and, and pointing out to them it makes business sense. And also it's the right thing to do, but also that don't just hire a senior DNI lead. You know, every single person in that leadership team and, and beyond the organization needs to be behind your diversity and inclusion initiatives. They need to be driving them. Far too often, I remember when Black Lives Matter happened, a lot of black colleagues that I know came to me and were like, you know, it's great, all this attention is now being put on ethnic diversity and, and racism in the workplace, but why do I have to do it? I'm, I'm going through enough emotionally trying to process all of this. You know, where are my white colleagues who are actually driving forward these initiatives? Because there are quite often people are doing it at the side of their day jobs. So I think that it shouldn't just be the minority groups affected who have to drive these things. And I think that, you know, fintech as an industry is by its very nature innovative. It's a combination of the technology industry, of the historical financial services industry. So actually, I think that fintech industry more than any industry should be really committed to creating workplace inclusion because their customer base is a diverse base as well so I, I really think that that is one of the biggest challenges. I totally agree with that like fintech has such a diverse customer base so we need to make sure that's reflected within our businesses let alone the social justice side of things. So as you know with these podcasts I always introduce it as we're here today to walk the talk for change. I love the fact that podcasts are discussion-based, but actually they're really action-orientated as well. So I always encourage the listeners to take on board what you said and then drive that forward by actually following the actions that you are advising. So I wanted to ask you, what more would you want to see in this industry for genuine, authentic workplace inclusion? I'm gonna use a quote actually from the Queen 
which I feel is actually really timely. I think it came from one of her Christmas speeches, but it's, it's often the small steps, not the giant leaps, that bring about lasting change. And I think this is so important when it comes to diversity and inclusion. And as Nicola was just saying, it, it's not just a token one person doing that job within an organisation. It is everybody's collective responsibility. But people can start small. And I think the problem with diversity and inclusion, and again, what you were saying a minute ago, is that some people are scared of it or they're worried it's going to take their job. That isn't it. I think you've just got to take that fear aside of worrying that you're going to say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing or refer to something the wrong way and just go, you know what? What one small step can I take? So is it a case of that you just commit to reading something more you know once a day is it that you make sure that you look at your LinkedIn network for example and think how can I expand it is it following someone different on Instagram that maybe you haven't followed before is it you know reading an article there are so many small things that you can do to build your curiosity to drive your learning and understanding about different people and you know different approaches to doing things because remember it's you know it's not just the obvious diversity things as well there's everyone is different in their own way and has different ways of doing things think about like being an introvert versus an extrovert for example um and and also the second thing i think as well and something we're really passionate about is use your own experiences and share them with other people and you know my own personal experience is something that I talk about a lot is I'm a parent, but it was a hard journey to become a parent. I had a miscarriage. I had a miscarriage in a meeting, in fact. I went through IVF while still working and didn't tell anyone about it. But I talk to people about it now because I want an experience which was awful for me. I want somebody else to get the benefit of it and to learn from it. And if, if by me sharing my story, I can make it better for somebody else, then that for me is a small step that I can take. So I think there are two angles to come up out of it. Use your own experience to help champion other people, but also just be mindful that there are so many different people out there and try and learn something more and do something as a result of it. An example of what I've, what I've tried to commit to do is when I've been working in the fintech industry is linked to industry events. And my background's in communications, so quite often I would be training the different spokespeople who would speak at the events. And what often happens, it naturally gravitates to the leader of the organisations. And when you don't have a diverse leadership team, it tends to all white male panels, essentially. I'll get straight to the, cut straight, straight to the chase. I made a commitment, whatever organisation I was in, is that I would in, make sure that every spokesperson I work with, and work with a number of brilliant uh, senior white men and, and of all genders and all ethnicities, is that they would never appear on a all-white male panel. If they were asked to and we couldn't find a spokesperson, they would give up their space and we would suggest other people in the industry. And quite often, sometimes I would also contact the event organisers and tell them that that was unacceptable, but also say to them, here's some other people that I would recommend as well. So again, hopefully that's an example of one small step. If I do it, if you do it, if everyone else does it, that will then result in there no longer being all white, undiverse panels at industry events. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I love the fact that you brought up that quote from the Queen, because it's timely, but it's also timeless. Walking the talk, it's a lot about 
the small steps we can all make that will drive a huge movement and drive huge change. And the work that the both of you are doing is absolutely fundamental to that change for inclusion across the sector. So thank you for joining us on the Women of Fintech podcast series.